Welcome to the Tech Central podcast. And I'm honored and cannot wait for this conversation with both Mark Walker and Colin Erasmus. Colin is the Modern Workplace and Security Business Group Lead at Microsoft South Africa. And Mark is the Associate Vice President of Sub-Saharan Africa at IDC. And together, Microsoft have been really exploring and unpacking this new world of work. And I'm an agile leadership coach. I spend a lot of time unpacking what this new way of working is, but this is an absolute new world of work. It's not just about values and behaviors. It's so much more. Flexible work is here to stay. Leaders are out of touch with employees and need a wake-up call. High productivity is masking an exhausted workforce. Gen Zen is at risk and will need to be re-energized. Shrinking networks are endangering innovation. Authenticity will spur productivity and well-being. Talent is everywhere in the hybrid cloud. Those are just some of the statistics or messages given to us by work, the Work Trends Index. I'm James Erasmus. I'm today's moderator for Tech Central, and I really look forward to today's conversation. What I really wanted to highlight before we kick off, and it's all about Colin and Mark, not about me, but so that you know, as listeners, we're going to be talking about the highlights of the evolving hybrid work concepts and how to engage in a discussion around that hybrid world of work and some of those complexities. We're going to talk differently about what's been spoken about this topic before. I think we've all had a whole year of online and virtual meetings. Today's conversation isn't about that. We're also going to bring some awareness and some aspects that leadership really need to consider just to ensure full inclusivity and the experiences of their own workforce in anticipation of the world to come. And really importantly, how Microsoft as a technology enables all of the above. So without further ado, I'd really like to introduce you to both Colin Erasmus and Mark Walker. Colin, can I ask you to kick off, please? Sure, James, thank you very, very much. And uh, I think your intro is uh, perfect. We have definitely seen quite a big change from 18 months ago where we were very much in the remote work paradigm. I think we're now starting to move towards hybrid work and some people are going to be at the house, some people are going to be back at the office. And by the way, I know this because traffic is picking up. I got stuck in traffic the other day, very similar to what it was 18 months ago. So that's good news for us. But as you explained, I think there are a lot of positives out of this and we really, I'm quite energized in what the innovation has been out of this new hybrid work and what it has actually brought us over the last 18 months and a lot of learnings from that perspective. And I'm sure we'll get into that detail. So really looking forward to the conversation, James. Awesome. Thanks, Colin. And just to be specific, by hybrid, you mean a combination of working remotely, wherever that might be, home, coffee shop, the beach, or indeed the office. 100%. And I think that's really what it is. And we're going to get into this hybrid paradox thing in a second, because I think that's where it starts for me. And that's what uh, a lot of the research showed us. And it showed us what people want. 
And it shows us that we're going to have to be extremely flexible in accommodating that and still getting productivity and still being competitive within this hybrid work environment. So that's exactly what I mean. It's this whole work from home as well as work from the office or work from a coffee Mm. shop. Mm. And we're going to speak about the new dimensions and the new models that we're potentially seeing coming out of this and what this means for business leaders and what they potentially need to think about, what it means for us as people who work, employees, you know, What does the culture look like within this environment? So yeah. before we get too carried away, 100%, it's about what we see today. So that remote work plus working at the office, hybrid work, what does it mean at the end of the day? Okay. Thank you, Colin. Mark? Thanks, James, and Colin as well. Yeah, it's a new paradigm. You know, As Colin has mentioned, we've learned a lot over the last 18 to 24 months. Things are never going back to what they were in 2019. Hybrid is here to stay. And it's the, the work from home. As Colin described, the work from home, work from remote environments, but also the technology environment is very different. It's a hybrid technology environment to a hybrid cloud, security in a very wide space. So these are areas that are very, very large and very complex in, in many ways. Interestingly, you know, just one quick example is how has this remote working and using Zoom and using Teams and so on worked for us? Well, I'll put it this way. You go back to the office. It's easier to sit at your desk and share a Teams screen and go through a presentation or whatever that way. Although you, you know, you're two meters from your colleague, then going to the boardroom and figuring out where are the cables, does it project to work, is the bulb right, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So the way we work as well, the style, the culture that Colin was referring to is also completely different now. And I can't wait for you to unpack some of the statistics and predictions that you have. One of the ones I was reading was the fact that 58% of employees who plan to spend most and least time in the office are doing it for the same reason, which is more focused work. And I'm a great believer in that because if you bring purpose to the work environment and you want to deliver and you're a passionate employee, you're there for the long run and your staff retention is going to increase or at least maintain if you've got the right environment and culture set up. But enabling people to add more value and enabling them to focus on their work. Where do we start with this, Colin? So I think you hit the nail on the head and this is a concept I like to call the employee experience at the end of the day, because I think it is about that, right? It's about the experience that we are having as people that work for organizations. And what does that mean? Um, And and we believe that there are five elements that go into that employee experience and the well-being. I mean, we can go through them very briefly, but, you know, this is a lot of the research that we've done, a lot of the work that we've done around what we call the employee experience cloud and there's products behind that in the form of Viva. But there are a couple of things that we look at. So we truly believe that the well-being and engagement of an individual is very, very important. And by well-being, I mean the physical well-being, the mental well-being, the financial well-being Mm. of an individual. You know, I think during COVID, a lot of people... People were very anxious about a lot of those aspects. And I think it's very important when we talk about employee experience, we think about those aspects. The next major pillar for us really is around development and growth. Now, once again, I think a lot of employees who were involved in remote work were going, what does this mean for me from a growth point of view and from a development point of view? Am I going to get promoted? Am I seen? So that's one of the other major topics I think we need to consider and we need to delve a bit deeper into. The next one for us is purpose and alignment. Am I aligned to the purpose of my immediate work group? Am I aligned to the purpose of my organization as a whole? And how do I do that remotely is another interesting question, I think, on a lot of people's minds. And then a really big one for me is culture and communication. What has been very key during the pandemic and during remote work has been communication. 
how do I effectively communicate with people and make sure that they're engaged, that they're getting the right amount of information when they need that information, mm. that I'm doing it in line with what they're doing, that I'm not expecting somebody to go somewhere else to try and get that information. And then the really big one for us as well is knowledge and expertise. How do I maintain the knowledge and grow the individual and give them that knowledge and create a set of expertise, the center of excellence, the way we would have done. So that's just something to think about when you talk about the employee experience. And I know Mark's going to go into a lot of stats. He's got stats coming out of his ears there, but just a couple from my side, also from the work trend index that you spoke about, a couple of interesting ones. We've seen, for instance, that when people are highly engaged, that organizations can be up to 21 times more profitable. So it's very okay. good for an organization to make sure that we are engaging yeah. our employees at the end of the day. And a couple of things, you actually mentioned retention, James, the same thing. We've mm-hmm. seen that a person is 12 times less likely to leave an organization if they're engaged. And I think we'll get into the meat of this discussion, but this is just the employee experience mm-hmm. part of the discussion in a second. But I really think it's important to think about that. We're going to have to be very flexible and we're going to have to repivot on people. Mm-hmm. Colin, thank you so much for saying people as many times as you did. As a leadership coach, we are often looking at people and behaviors and values and getting those things right. Because until you've got that right, you can't actually put your systems and processes in place. Until you've had your team kickoff, you can't kick off a product, can you? You're spot on. And it talks to that alignment around Mm. the bigger cause, right, of my smaller organization or my smaller department versus Mm. the cause of the enterprise or the organization as such. So spot on, James, agree with you. Thank you from Microsoft. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful to see that tech is actually thinking people first. Mark, can I jump straight into some of the questions around hybrid work here in South Africa, what it looks like at the moment in South African companies? James, absolutely. And I'm going to start with just some of the predictions that we've made. around this whole future of work and the world of work. And the first one I'm going to say is from the surveying we've done, 70% of enterprise businesses will have extensively invested, and this talks to the people aspect, extensively invested in diversity, equality, and inclusion data tools and benchmarking by 2024. So this is like within the next literally 24 months, we're going to see major changes from that point of view. That's great from an intentional point of view. But what is the reality? And the reality is the second prediction that we're making is that by the end of 2023, digital transformation, business volatility, keeping in mind, especially the South African and even the global situation, is going to drive about 70% of the global 2000 Forbes companies to deploy remote or hybrid first work models. And this is going to completely redefine work processes. And it also makes for engaging very, very diverse talent pools. Colin mentioned about you know, the culture and the people and the process and so on. And this talks right into that. You know, the culture has to change. People are at the center. So how do you culturally and behaviorally get the right mix right? How do you make sure work-life balance isn't thrown out the window? And how do you make sure that the productivity gains that we've seen are now a reality over the law? You know, this is now a proven fact that you can work from home. The technology platforms are robust. They are secure and they are reliable. So to keep that momentum going, they're not settle into a, oh, well, let's go back to work, go back to the office mentality. I think that's the, you know, the future is kind of set out here very, very clearly. Back to you, James. Okay. Thanks, Mark. And your predictions are fascinating. I'm really interested to see, and, and I'm sure we can share a lot of these predictions with the audience after this call. There'll be Absolutely. Some sort of statistics. And I've been delving into some of the, the work that Microsoft has been doing, and I can see the flow of logic in helping leaders 
with these statistics because predictions and numbers and forecasts are very useful. But if you don't do anything with them, you could get caught with your pants down. And the idea here is to talk about planning, perhaps. You know, what are we doing now? You used it a year, 2023. Because 2023 will suddenly be on us and we won't have planned. What does that planning look like, Colin? So here's the way we like to look at it. We believe that there's a new model. And I mean, there's going to be lots of models, James. And I think this is one example of one of the models potentially. But the model that we are looking at very specifically, and it's a model that we've implemented inside of Microsoft, and I'm going to use the word people again. We believe that there's three major elements to this. So the people facet, as you can think about it, places, and I'm going to get to that in a second, and maybe not what you think. We need to reimagine the places and the places inside our office as well. And that is absolutely critical because think about this for a second. We want to make sure that under hybrid work, so in other words, where somebody is sitting at home, where somebody is sitting in a meeting room now at the office, we want to make sure that everybody can collaborate seamlessly and that everybody has a voice. And we need to start preparing our places, our boardrooms, to enable this to happen. And technology is going to play a very, very key role there. Mm. And the other big one for us is processes. Now, you can imagine we need to reimagine and we need to digitize most of our processes. If we had a paper process with people sitting here and there, that's not really going to work very well for us. So we need to start thinking about those processes and digitizing those processes. So if you're asking me what leaders need to start thinking about to plan for these, these are three major elements. So So there's people, places, processes. People, places, processes. Thank you. Now, I want to go into people in a little bit more detail for a second, because I believe under the model as well, and I really think that extreme flexibility, and I use the word extreme, is going to be key to this, because I think as organizations, we need to be flexible. As managers of people, employees, we're going to have to be flexible and understand and open our ears and listen. And if you take a look at people for a second, there are three things that we believe are dimensions that are going to affect people within this new paradigm. The first one is the workplace, and everyone's going to have a workplace. Now, that workplace may differ, right? That workplace may be a desk at the office. It may be a coffee shop. It may be your home. We need to be flexible because those places are going to be flexible influencing the person. The next one or the next input into a person really is location. Now, this is also going to drastically change, and we've seen this. We spoke about semi-migration. We've seen it in the media. People no longer need to work in Johannesburg. They may be previously worked here. They may want to go to Clarence or may go out of the country. It's going to be flexible, right? There are some jobs that mostly won't be flexible. But for the large portion, we've actually seen it. It works in some instances. And the other thing we're going to have to be flexible about are working hours. And the reason why that is important, and James, you mentioned that work index, and that work index is very important. Now, there's something that came out of that, and that's where this whole understanding of hybrid paradox came from. When we asked people what they wanted, 73% of the people said, you know what? Don't take my flexibility away from me. So even when I go back to work, I still want that flexibility. I want the flexibility to have breakfast with my children, to be able to go and pick them up. That's critically important. Mm. But on the other hand, almost the same amount of people, 67% of the people actually said, I miss the collaboration. I miss the in-person conversations. I miss the coffee conversations, the water cooler conversations. 
just that ad hoc connection. And that's what we're calling this hybrid paradox, right? People want the flexibility, but they also want to be with people and, and integrate. And that's where we need to think about it. That's why we need to prepare our places a bit differently, that people can have that collaboration point. So quite a long answer to your question, mm. but I do believe that this is one of the models that we are looking at. It's a model that Microsoft has adopted, the people, places, and processes with that extreme flexibility and a lot of inputs into the person at the end of the day. Okay. Thank you. So I'm hearing you talk about worksite, geography, and other notes I made here was timing. So the time of day one wants to work. And I know we've all got lots of stories and I've been working remotely for many years, sometimes effectively, sometimes not. I gather that different cultures, different organizations, different leaders react very differently to the need of the people. One thing I read this morning was that, I think it was in Turkey, the stat said that 90% of the respondents to a survey in Turkey said that they are 60% less productive in the office. Now, all of these things are measurable. And I've got another example of a friend of mine who's got a team of draftspeople. And they came back to the office and said, we finished all of our work within three to four days. Can we take Fridays off? And immediately the leadership said, no, you can come back to the office and work full five full days and be you know, arguably 20, 25% more productive. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people's productivity and actually enabling them to get into a state of flow, aren't we? We're talking about the endpoint, right? So right. we're talking about getting something done at the end of the day and what the endpoint potentially looks like. So it's not necessarily what we talked about, but we did talk about extreme flexibility as well, right? Yes. And to your point, James, I think a lot of this will be very different for a lot of organizations, also mm. based on their culture, mm. based on the type of work that they do as well. Like mm. I said, there are some employees that mostly are going to have to work a certain time to a certain time. You're not going to be able to avoid some of that. So sure. um, there's a lot of inputs that are going to come into this model yeah. at the end of the day. The one stat that I will also give you out of that research was that 80%, and this is a good one for me, 80% of leaders or business leaders said that they are going to make a change to their flexible work policies or were busy making the change. So you can okay. see that people are thinking about it. Okay. And just while you mentioned leaders there, what can we give leaders now so that they feel forewarned, forearmed, they can start having the appropriate conversations as opposed to just puffing their chest out and saying how wonderful they've been and allowing their staff to work from home? What can we give them? I think the first thing is to listen, right? To listen to the pulse of your people, to listen to the pulse of your organization, to have a look at what is going on around you, I think is going to be absolutely mm. critical. There's a lot of material out there now. That snap that you showed in the beginning was actually off the Work Lab site that Microsoft's made available. And we've actually made a lot of our research available, a lot of our models available that we spoke about. Don't have to adopt them, but it is our learnings. And okay. that's everything from how IT has operated, how facilities have operated. I mean, IT is a very interesting one, James. Mm. Like, th think about this for a second. So mm. I'm now in a hybrid work environment. And by the way, I have the situation where I have colleagues that have joined Microsoft in the last 18 months that I've never met. IT, think about how did IT get the PC to them? And we Good have point. technology, for instance, that allows us to do that now. We have technology that allows me to take a device directly from the distributor, from the retailer, wherever you get your device from, mm. ship it directly to mm. your employee. Mm. They have to connect it to the internet. Mm. And once they open it up, everything gets provisioned for them without mm. IT having to touch that machine. Why um, not? So we have I've always wondered this. Exactly. Why, why is the signing on process, the onboarding, so cumbersome? And on that note, I also read that Microsoft has onboarded 25,000 people over this last period. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. And that's, 
and that's the case in point, right? It's, it's doable. We have technologies that allow us to do that. Mm. And nine times out of 10 are more secure. And what really? we now do as an example. So, and we also need to think about mm-hmm. hardware. Okay. So think about hardware for a second. I mean, I use Windows Hello on my PC. So it's a passwordless way of authenticating using biometrics, facial recognition, my finger, whatever it may be. Mm. But that is also cut down hugely on things like calls to the IT department, mm. cost-saving, time-saving from IT department. So like mm. I said in the beginning, technology can play a massive role here with its employee mm. experience and allowing people and managers to mm. see whether your employees at burnout point based mm. on how they're working, as an example, all mm. the way down to how I manage a PC at the end of the day and how I get that in the hands securely of people at home. Carl, I'm laughing inside because I actually can clearly remember. I can see myself standing in a queue with my laptop under my arm waiting for the service technician to be able to assist me with something I've been locked out of. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. Mm. I think if I can just jump in quickly, from an IDC perspective, you know, there's three aspects as well that we look at. And, you know, the one is looking at the space and there it's about making sure that we provide a connected and very secure work environment, independent of place and time. It doesn't matter. The second part is, you know, look at the collaboration between humans and technology. Technologies like AI, machine learning, and so on. These are all part of this bigger picture. So it's not just looking at point solutions here, point or point view. It's got to tie in everything Mm. and provide that platform. And the final one is, you know, basically getting everybody skilled up and aligned on these new digital skill sets. And I think that can be a bit of a challenge in many cases, but it's easy to learn. I mean, you know, 24 months ago, none of us really knew about Zoom very well. There was a few people that knew about it. Now it's part of our lives. And I think those three angles are very, very key. The whole asynchronous working environment. You know, I'll have a colleague in Japan. He finishes his work. I start mine. I hand it over to a colleague in the US, you know, and it just flows around the world until it's done. And I think that it requires a lot of discipline. You know, I think that these are some of the behavioral traits that we have to start, you know, brushing up on, I think. That, you know, because you sent the email doesn't mean the job is that your responsibility is over. And I think that that follow through from a leadership Mm. point of view, that's Mm. also required. I think work needs to flow through the system. That's what you're Mm. saying. And allow technology to enable you, but also enable the people to trust and embrace those solutions because ultimately it adds the value to what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Fascinating. A lot of those principles, you look at Kanban, for instance. Kanban Mm -hmm. is a pull system where you, pull a piece of work because it's available and ready for you to work on. Why do you limit it so often to a group of people that go to bed for arguably 12 hours of that day? Let's hand it <laughs> over. Let's keep rolling yeah. it around the globe. Speed up that process. You know, bring value to the, the market are, sooner. Yeah. The skills are available everywhere now. You know, it's, right. it's not that you have to have somebody in Johannesburg in your office mm. to do the job. You can pick up somebody who's got that skill set anyway. You know, it's a big difference. I love how we talk about this now, but it's not actually a very new concept. Thomas Friedman wrote a book, The World is Flat, um, many years ago. Fascinating book. I I mean, I can't believe he didn't just summarize the whole thing into one page because actually, actually, even his title just says it all. And Microsoft is here to help us do that. So, Colin, what do you see as some of the, the opportunities leaders should be embracing right now? in order to embrace this, use the word extreme flexibility? I think there are a couple. I think the one thing that I will say is, I'm going to come back to the people element because I think that is something that needs to be embraced right now. We need to understand how we enable people. 
and whether that's through policy, culture change, potentially through technology. I think there's a lot of technology out there that's going to allow a lot of this to flow. And by doing that, we've seen already that profitability could potentially go up. And I think we also need to embrace this world of transformation. And I really do believe we're in this transformation era now. You know, I think there've been three major bits of transformation that have happened. We've spoken about digital transformation for quite some time. That happened. And in fact, our own CEO, Sachin Nadella, actually said that, you know, 18 months ago, as the pandemic hit, we saw two years worth of digital transformation in two months, because in many ways, we were forced to do that, right? Mm. But we now need to continue that journey, right? It's not over. Cloud transformation helped us. It helped us actually do a lot of that digital transformation. And James, if you think about why digital transformation happened, it happened because of competition. People were digitally transforming so that they could compete effectively. Mm. And if they didn't, they were left behind. And the cloud helped us do that. Now, the other one, and this one I would say we need to invest in now and think about now is security. I believe we really are in a security transformation era as well Mm. because of what has happened. Our landscape is completely different. James, think about, and I won't give away my age here for a second, but think about eight, 10 years ago, we were contained, right? We knew where our business networks were. We Mm. knew what our parameters were. Man, we now have bots. Like, is a bot, for instance, an employee? (laughs) It's interesting. (laughs) We have NFC, nail fiat communication devices doing payments, et cetera, et cetera. So our landscape has changed, and thus our security landscape has changed. And the way we think about security, we now talk about zero trust. I don't know if we'll get too much into that, but we need to change the way we look at security. So I think business leaders should be looking at that. I think a lot of them have looked at that already. So I would say the people element, the cultural element in a big way, technology that can help preparing those places, make sure that we get ahead of that. And then security at the end of the day, I think is is absolutely key to have a look at. I suppose that's part of the technology. And also, I mean, we spoke about it from Mark's point of view, culture within the organization. Mm -hmm. So security, culture, the productivity, I think these are all very key to have a look at and what you can start grappling with already and getting your hands around. Okay. So for those listening, I think a lot of what I'm hearing Mark say is Trust the tools available to you. Trust the systems that can be put in place. Trust the fact that there is security. And I slightly contradict you because you just mentioned zero-based trust. But once that trust is in place and you are confident that you've got what you need as IT or business leadership, you can then afford and allow for that extreme flexibility because you will be comfortable in allowing your staff to deliver in the way in which they deliver best. So, Colin, where would I start? My business has grown quite quickly. I realize I need to embrace this new way of working. And I need that reassurance. I need some sort of assessment to see if my systems are secure. I need to review what equipment or tools I need to perhaps invest in. How would I start that conversation even? And who would I start that with? Very glad you asked that question because I almost forgot about that. Thank you very much, James. (laughs) Because I think you're right. Where do you start? And I think many organizations, to your point, are going to be on very different maturity journeys within within a place, within the maturity journeys as well. Microsoft does have a lot to offer our customers together with our partner community. So one of the great things around this ecosystem is all these partners that we work with as Microsoft, as a vendor, we can't get to everything ourselves. And there's some great skill that's been built up there. So there are a couple of things that we can do. We have got what we call Cloud Accelerate Workshops. There's about 11 or 12 of these workshops that our customers can ask our partners to do on their behalf. And James, this is everything from security. So I want to know whether I'm regulatory compliant to Papia. 
there's a workshop that can help you there as an example to advance communications or modernizing your communication. So the discussion that we're having now, are we ready to modernize those places inside our building? What does that look like? And how do I adopt that? So we've got a lot of these workshops that are available to our customers. The other thing that is available are, are assessments. We also have a lot of assessments that are available to our customers, including security assessments. You know, is my security ready for this hybrid work? Do I potentially have holes that I need okay. to address? That's, that's we also it. have assessments on hardware. We have assessments around, is your, is your hardware ready for it? Is Surface potentially an opportunity for you to look at to have a better employee experience or more secure? So there's a bunch of assessments. And then they can always reach out to me and they can reach out to us and we can have the conversation directly with a lot of these customers. And I know what the answer is here, but I love how you've explained all of this as if there's a room full of people doing a workshop and a man in a van arrives to come and check my kit. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously all remote, isn't it? It is indeed very remote until we can obviously open up and see each other face to face. It is all remote, so there's no need for somebody to wait until we can see each other. So okay. yeah, it's, it's all remote. And as I said, a lot of expansion through our partner network as well. I look forward to seeing how we can pilot some of this equipment, especially because I know that a simple, almost a desktop package that one can acquire and be set up, as you say, very, very quickly. Yeah, I remember, James, you take me back into my earlier years where we had these better best packages as small businesses. I remember these. Yeah. The best one was a, a Core i7 machine with an internet connection and mm. this and that. So, <laughs> so, so, yes, very similar thinking. And that is the way it happens potentially, and maybe on a more advanced level now, but 100%. And it does depend very much on the customer's maturity and where they are. Okay. Thanks. Mark, can we talk a little bit more about culture? How do we get people to this point of embracing this? Look, I think there's initially, James, there was a lot of fear, especially when the whole AI, ML, bots, all these areas come to the fore. And people are saying, well, what does this mean for me? Is my job under threat? And is my livelihood getting threatened yet? And a lot of those fear messages are kind of done now because people are realizing that it's a supportive angle. Okay, at the end of the day, okay. we are the creative ones. We are the ones who got to you know, manage the momentum, if you like, and get the output done. Mm. A robot doesn't do that. We will interact and find ways. If there's a challenge that comes up, we will interact and collaborate, communicate in order to find a way to deal with these challenges. Those are human skills that you can't automate those kind of skills. So the bots and the automotive aspects of it are to support you so you can make better decisions with fresher data, with deeper insights. Now, so from a management and leadership point of view, now those are tools that are really, really useful. But even on a frontline basis, somebody who's working in, you know, as a clerk or something, they can actually find you know, the repetitive type work that they would normally have to do. That's kind of done. And they can focus on you know, elevating themselves into other areas, freeing up some of their time to learn other skills. So I think you know, those are two of the areas that immediately come to mind from a cultural point of view. And get rid of the fear, understand, embrace this. It's, it's, this is good stuff. <laughs> this is positive. And, you know, get onto that from another cultural point of view is, I think there's, a, I mentioned it earlier about, you know, discipline and self-management. I think there's a lot of transparency that comes with technology that enables you to be monitored, if you like. And I think that there's a little bit of danger there too. But at the end of the day, you can use these tools to improve your productivity without outside help. You know, and if you find, you know, I'm actually a morning guy or I'm a late night owl. You can structure your work around the fact that these are the times when I'm most effective and you know, do the, do, let the repetitive tasks run in the background 
or find a work method that suits your body clock, if your circadian rhythms, if you like, mm. best. And you're still going to get good results. And I think from a management point of view, there's, there's a lot of learning to be done in the management layer. I think the young people that are upcoming up and all that, they kind of get this, okay? Mm. Um, I think some of the management are still old school and they need to learn the skill and say, well, guys, you know, we're hiring people because they're clever and they can do the job. Don't stand in their way and try and you know, put them in a box. Work with them and say, okay, guys, this is how we work. These are the parameters. Colin mentioned it earlier in terms of its output. What have you done? How have you achieved it? Okay, And if you need help, reach out. And all the tools are there to do that. So you can be a lot more effective. And, you know, the, the one thing that Colin also mentioned was the FaceTime with the executives. Guys, honestly, if you're not getting the FaceTime, you can book it, you know. If you feel you're not getting exposure, rather set up a quick one-to-one with your manager or your manager's manager, whoever you want to impress, and say, hey, listen, I want five minutes of your time and do the elevator pitch on it. <laughs> you, mm, you know what I mean? Mm. Nothing stops you. And the technology enables all of this in an instant. I can speak to my guys in Lagos or my guys in Nairobi as easily as I'm speaking to you today. Of course. You know, so the barriers to discussion, mm. the barriers for communication, the flattening of the organizational hierarchy, it's all there now. And I think management has to learn a lot of new skills around that, to be honest. Can I ask a few questions around, you started talking about automating some processes effectively and marrying humans with technology. And your example is a bot. A bot can't show empathy. How does a bot do hiring and firing? Look, I know a lot of people also can't show empathy, but that's a whole different discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, James, I'm just looking at some of the data that we've looked at. And we honestly believe that bots will get to that stage to some degree of that. Not only bots, but if you use AI or ML-enabled digital managers per se, okay? okay? They'll hire, fire, and train workers in jobs that are measured by continuous improvement. We've estimated about 20% of those kind of engagements will work without human engagement. Okay. Okay. So, you know, it's going to be a, literally one in five mm. of those kind of situations will develop. The other 80% will still have will require human. human intervention. You're still okay. going to need people to do stuff. Mm. Now, if you're doing very basic task scheduling and stuff like that, mm. you can do that with AI and ML and send to the guy automated updates and stuff. But when it comes to hiring and firing, especially in the legal environment, the regulatory environment, especially in South Africa, mm. you've got to add that human involvement. And yeah, so warm bodies. Fair yeah. chance. Yeah, exactly. thanks. And then the other thing you talked about was productivity. I think it's a double-edged sword. We need to be careful that people aren't perceived to be monitoring your every movement and then questioning yeah. your movements against your productivity. But we do need to see output. Are there tools that manage that output or... Uh, of course, there are tools that manage the output, but what I'm really asking is how do we find that balance between you know, looking over people's shoulders and actually seeing what they've added during the course of their work day? There's a very fine line between surveillance and assistance, okay? okay. Yeah. And I think you need to keep these things in mind as a manager. If you're keystroke logging and you've got surveillance on all this kind of stuff, you are basically fostering an environment that is very toxic. People okay. will not want to work, then they will march with their feet. Because remember, this opens the world. So mm-hmm. if I'm working for you and you're going to like surveil me and key log me and manage my time that closely, nothing stops me going to the next guy down the street. Because I'm still going to be working in the same kind of environment, but with a less toxic atmosphere. And you've seen this already happening mm-hmm. to some degree globally. 
There's a story of this mass retirement mm. or something like mm. that. As you saw yesterday, Starbucks unionizing in New York. Okay, so power is going to be balanced, okay? And management has to figure out how do you do that balance and how does it work for both parties? If you don't get that right, you've got a problem. Colin, I think you wanted to add to that. Yeah, for, I, I think, Mark, it, it comes back to the enabling people to work where they are how they want to work and how would you get the most out of individuals at the end of the day? So James, there's quite a bit of technology around. I mean, the Microsoft Employee Experience Cloud is something we've spoken about quite a bit, but that is underpinned by a technology called Viva. Now, just as an example, one of those modules is something called Viva Insights. And the intent of that module is not the monitoring that Mark refers to. It's rather around assistance. And it's assistance for you as an individual. So if I go into this tool as an example, it'll tell me about my work habits, but it'll tell me about how I collaborate with people and make suggestions of how to better collaborate with people. Who do I collaborate? with more, who would I collaborate with less, and suggestions of how I can actually be doing better. That's what it does. And then what it does from a manager and an organization point of view is help tune the culture. So as my manager can actually have a look, is Colin, for instance, working between six and eight in the evening or 10 or whatever it is, and it becomes something that he can potentially address and say, hey, you know, that's not great for you as an individual. Is there something wrong in the way we've given you work to do? Or is it the way you work? And it's rather seen from that point of view to actually encourage positive work, positive culture within a team, as well as the broader organization as a whole. And inside there, there's tips and tricks, you know, in its space. It even does, James, now I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, but if I look at my diary to find a bit of time just for myself to saw. Mm. it actually even suggests that we'll go into my diary and say, hey, you know what? I found a half an hour for you on Friday. Book it now mm. as just men- your, your own mental time. Just mm. cool down a bit. Mm. The, the one thing I think we all miss, James, is and maybe we don't miss the traffic, but I miss, for instance, the commute to work in the mornings mm. because that was a little bit of me time, a little bit of thinking time. Mm. And a lot of us don't have that. We may get a portion of it back, but there's a lot of technologies. And the other thing I do want to say to you is what we're thinking about from a technology point of view is how do we streamline a lot of this into what we do on a daily basis? So instead of taking somebody out to a different website or a different place to go and do a process, think about how you streamline that into a person's day, that everything is within one place or it logically flows. And that is some of the differences that we can make to individuals. And once again, it's not about the monitoring. It's about how we enable individuals. Okay, well, I think there's so many good examples that are relevant to what you've just described. And I wish we'd had this for the last 10, 15 years because we could have. Yeah, and, and I think it's a big shift now, right? It's mm. a big shift from, if we look at ourselves as well, I mean, I suppose Microsoft was always known as this productivity organization, right? We made tools, office, and productivity. Yeah. And we really are starting to think about it in a different light. We're starting to think about it from a people point of view, people experience. Mm. And we've seen the stats. The more engaged the employee is, the more support we give them, the more profitable our organization is, the less likely they are to leave a happy employee. Man, the positives just keep piling. And you know what you've not mentioned, which I really thought was going to come up much earlier in this conversation, is that word which I've never particularly liked, which is that work-life balance. Because I am one person. There's not a James work and a James home and a James something else. I am James. So I should be bringing my whole self to work. You should accept the fact that I have a hobby. You should accept the fact that I you know, have a dog that might walk in or some children might run into the room. <laughs> That's me. If I'm adding value and I haven't spent 45 minutes sitting in a car driving to work and then 15 minutes around the water cooler, 
followed by a quick cigarette break outside. You know, I love the fact that the whole person can come to work. You're spot on. And I must say, my HR manager will most probably not be very happy with me that I didn't mention work-life balance because it's something that we work very hard at at Microsoft. But to your point... Sorry, my point is, do you call it work-life balance or do you have another name for it? Because I think Microsoft's really good at positioning what you're trying to achieve. We actually call it work-life balance. Maybe we've made it uh, WLB because I know we like acronyms. I'm not too sure. I need to go and check. Um, (laughs) But but I, I think, James, to your point, it's about me as an individual. Yeah. What I bring, as long as, and Mark mentioned this, as long as I have a culture inside the organization that's going to support that, right? Mm. Because I think that's very important. That's why these tools that I mentioned are more focused on doing exactly that. How do Mm. I support you as an individual? How do I help you maintain a work-life balance? So 100%, it's about you. It's about your authenticity. It's about innovation, right? Because I think that also breeds innovation. And it's the one thing, and you flashed it up at the beginning where we spoke about the diminishing networks and innovation. We've got to be so careful of that, right? Because innovation has become core to a lot of organizations today and how competitive they remain. We've got to make sure we keep fostering that. We've got to make sure we keep fostering people's curiosity. I love that. We we are pushed to be curious on a daily basis. Go and read, go and scratch, go and find new things. So... 100%, 100%, man. I, okay. I, think we, I think we're aligned on this one. It's about mm-hmm. the person at the end of the day and, and how do we foster that individual. Yeah. And I'm just reading a stat here on my other screen. It's from one of your web pages, which we'll share with the listeners, which talks about the key learnings from companies that are strong in innovation. And it refers to the fact that just because we're human, 72% of respondents are okay with making a mistake from innovative companies versus 50% of those of non-innovative companies who I you know, wouldn't dare make a mistake because of the retribution. 100%. And I think what is important in that element, and we're encouraged to take chances, but we're encouraged to take chances, fail fast and yep. learn from it, and yep. then move on. And I think that is the whole innovation aspect as well. So mm. spot on. Just mm. the culture as well. And I know there's certain cultures where, if you're a businessman and you're looking for investment mm. and you haven't you know, trashed one or two companies before and you haven't got that, you know, those scars, if you like, the guys won't even listen to you because they want to see that you've actually got skin in the game. You've, you've been through the hard miles. Mm. So I think that, you know, that's, that's again, that, that old cultural angle to it as well. Yeah, good point. And I think of all the conversations we've had today, and it's been fascinating, but a lot of it starts with people, cultures, values, it doesn't start with what tools do we implement. Uh, it's yeah. a much bigger discussion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, spot, yeah. Spot yeah. I think the tools, James, enable a lot of this at the end of the day. I don't think you can do it without the technology, but it's an enabler, right? Absolutely. I'm just looking through my notes here. Is there anything else we need to engage on or chat about at this stage before we start wrapping up? I think the last one I would like to, without getting too much down into detail again, just as a reminder, because I think the one thing that is critical, one, I think... This is very positive. I think we are seeing this being adopted. I think we are seeing that extreme flexibility. I think that is critical. The one thing I would just tell people, please be careful around the culture, around security specifically. I think that is very, very important. You know, a lot of us rushed to go into this remote work mode and now the hybrid work. We shouldn't forget about the security elements. I think that is absolutely critical as we move forward into the hybrid work. Absolutely critical to think about. And then continue that transformation. I think we need to keep 
innovating. We need to keep transforming as we go and keep listening to our people. So just that last bit from our side, James. Okay. Thanks, Colin. No, I definitely echo that. You know, I think start with people. Colin used a great word just now. You know, they're saying about enablers. You know, technology is an enablement platform. It allows you to do much more than you think you can. And I think that's something that we really need to embrace. With the hybrid is here, it's here to stay. You're not going back. And it's, you know, use the tools and make the difference. It's, you know, I don't think we've had this kind of freedom in our work life since the industrial revolution. <laughs> no, so no. we're really moving well ahead into, I think this is the new paradigm. This is the way it's going to be in future. Yeah. Well, I must say, I understand a lot of what we've been talking about has been with us for a while. So we've had a chance to you know, kick its tires and experiment and find our feet. And I think we've made some huge strides as business, especially in South Africa, embracing this shift to the hybrid workplace. We've definitely still got some way to go. I've been absolutely fascinated by today's conversation. I must say I was really looking forward to it because I know that this is the right approach to new ways of work or working. And I think that every leader who's you know, privy to these conversations and should listen to this and should share it with their leaders, and you mentioned management as well, it isn't just senior leaders that need to be considering this, and it isn't just management. It's everybody who should hear it and understand how they're able to engage better and deliver that work for their organizations and bring their own skills in as purposeful a way as possible using whatever, as you say, people, places, processes, understanding the work site, the geography, and the time of day someone wants to do their work is actually, it's empowering them, it's enabling them, it's creating that that space for personal development. It's in creating a space for well-being, all of which are, and especially things like well-being, are often immeasurables. They're immeasurables that aren't necessarily aligned to a KPI, and yet leadership are being asked, how's your team? Have you asked them? Have you sat down and asked them what their needs are? Mm, no, I haven't, because I haven't really seen them. I was really hoping to catch them back at the office. Embrace this. Choose how you use this environment and navigate it in order to transform this organization to bring that purposeful delivery and really be, be a business that can perform better, deliver more value. But at the center of it is your people. And I think what we've spoken about today and the future of hybrid work and from both Colin and Mark, and I really want to say thank you very, very much for your time and your insights. And from the whole team at Tech Central and me, James Erasmus, we really look forward to more questions, more feedback and further engagement. And I'd like to see this call happen again sometime in the new year and many, many more engagements. So thank you so much for your time today. And please stay very safe and very well over the festive season. Thank you. You too. Thank you, James. Cheers, guys. Thank you both.